Hi, this is Lauren from Discovery Church. Thanks for taking time to listen to this week's podcast. We hope that you find value and that is very impactful to your life today. Have a great one. Um, We're in a series that we started last week called Why? And it's a series that is helping us wrestle with why questions that we have about God. For example, last week, we looked at the question, why don't I always feel God's presence? Next week is probably one of the biggest questions that are asked about God worldwide. And I encourage you to invite a friend next week. Um, but we're going to tackle a question that says, why do bad things happen to good people? Because often we're like, well, if God's really good, if God's really loving, why do bad things happen to good people? Next week, that's what, that's what we're going to tackle. But today, um, I want to tackle a question that may be commonly asked if you are a person who prays. And it's this question that, you know, that the good Christian won't actually ask out loud, but we'll think it in our mind. Well, no. We'll think it in our minds, being like, why doesn't God answer my prayer? Or why didn't God answer my prayer? And that might be a little bit of a, a weird one for a, a church or for a pastor to talk to because they're like, by all things, prayer is possible, right? We've actually shared stories this morning of, of salvation and, and people finding work. And um, I know that there's one lady that watches consistently online that just had a miracle happen that she's been praying for for two years and, and God's been good. And often we will share those faith stories. But today I want to flip it on his head a little bit and actually peel back a few layers and ask the question that many of us have asked in our minds. Why didn't God answer my prayer? Why didn't God answer my prayer? Because we know he could, and we probably think he should, but sometimes he don't. But why? Why doesn't God answer my prayer? Especially in light of, of a verse like John 14, 13 to 14. It says, I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. So the Bible says this, you can ask for anything. And I'm going to do it. So why didn't he? Why didn't he? Or when we read stories in the Bible like about Joshua who prayed that the sun would stand still and it did for a day. Or when we read stories like Daniel in the lion's den who was thrown into a den of angry lions and all of a sudden all the lions decided that they were on a diet. Right? Jonah who got thrown, Jonah who, who disobeyed, ran away, ran the other direction, was thrown into the ocean, prays, and God sends a giant fish, not to end his life, not to make his life more, more, more pleasant in the belly of a whale instead of, instead, or a giant fish, I don't know if it was a whale, I just assume that it is, um, who swallows him up, carries him to safety, vomits him up on the shore. We read stories like this throughout the scripture, and then we have oper- moments where we're like, God, why didn't you answer that prayer? They prayed things, and it happened. And we pray sometimes and nothing happens. Why didn't God answer my prayer? You know that time that I prayed for the Oilers to beat the Calgary Flames two weeks ago and they lost nine to five? Why didn't, why didn't God do something there? Like I even prayed in Jesus' name. Or that time in high school where I tried out for my provincial basketball team and I didn't even make the first cut. I prayed. 
God, I really want, I really, really want to make this team. This would be amazing. I, I know I'm slower than everybody and I can't shoot and I can't really dribble yet, but man, I would love to make this team. Why didn't I make the team? The truth is that most of us probably have bigger things we're wrestling with when we ask the question, why didn't God answer my prayer? Much bigger than an Oilers game. Much bigger than not making the cut for a basketball team. You might have prayed that someone would be healed of some sort of disease or some illness and you knew that God could, but God didn't. Or you might have been praying for someone, um, for someone to conceive a child. Maybe it's, you've been praying for you to conceive a child. And you, know, you knew God could. And in your heart, you, knew, you know he should. But it still hasn't happened yet. Or maybe you prayed that your parents would not get a divorce. And you just begged God. You pleaded. You cried at night. And you prayed and prayed and prayed and still. Your parents got a divorce, ended brutal. Your life got more complicated. Maybe you've been praying for someone to come in to know Christ. Maybe you've been praying for a loved one, a, a son or a daughter or a mom or dad, somebody to come to know Christ. And, and it seems like the more you pray, the further and further and further away that they get from knowing God. Why, God, did you not answer my prayer? Now, I want to try to bring some possible biblical reasons as to why God didn't answer all our prayers. Now, before we dive too deeply into this today, though, I want you to realize that I cannot bring definitive and specific answers to every example of unanswered prayers. I would be crazy to think so, and you would be crazy to believe that I could. But maybe, maybe as we look biblically into this question, through the Holy Spirit's help, he can help shine some light into a question that many of us have probably said, well, I can't ask that question. We feel it. We've asked our question in our mind, but I never want to speak it out because I know God, all things are possible, and we believe that. But there are probably some prayers that have been left unanswered. And today I want to look beyond my personal opinion. I want to look into Scripture and help us shine some light from a biblical perspective on why didn't God answer our prayer? So as I jump in today, just because it's, well, not just because it's a, t- a tougher topic, it's, it's, a, it's an on-scene topic within in church culture to be like, you know, well, is, is God actually that good? Does he actually listen to our prayers? Right? I, I believe that he is good, and I believe that he does listen to our prayers, but I want to answer a question today from a biblical perspective of why God doesn't or didn't answer our prayers. But before we do that, I want to pray. Heavenly Father, today would you soften our minds? Would you mold our hearts? Holy Spirit, anything that is of me, uh, let it just be washed away. And uh, whatever I say that is of you, let it stick to our hearts and transform our lives. In the name of Jesus, amen. Why didn't God answer my prayer? Well, first, 
of all, I think uh, one of the very first reasons might be, maybe it's because we have broken relationships. Maybe we have broken relationships. And I know some of us are saying right now, is that what does that have to do with prayer? Well, there are a few Bible references that make a comparison between our horizontal relationship, meaning our relationship as humans, our horizontal relationship that impacts our vertical relationship, our relationship with God, i.e. Mark eleven twenty four to 25. Jesus said, therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe you have received it and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, catch it? If you hold anything against anyone, if you got a damaged or broken relationship, you should forgive that person so your father in heaven may forgive your sins. Jesus is talking, uh, he's talking about prayer here and all of a sudden he just flips the switch. He says, oh, wait, 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 wait. But if you got anything against somebody, if you got a broken relationship, Go deal with that first. Then in John 1, or 1 John, the Bible says very clearly that you cannot say you love God if you hate your brother. It's kind of like you can't go around giving God lip service, lip praise. God, you're good. God, God, I praise you. God, God, you're worthy. And then, you know, hate the person that's in the cubicle next to you, that no good, low down, pathetic person. God is saying that our horizontal relationships, human to human relationships, impact our vertical relationship, us to God. You may, not, you may still not believe me, um, but Matthew 5, 23 to 24 says, So then if you bring your gifts to the altar, and there, and there you remember that your brother has something against you. So essentially saying, hey, you're coming into a place to give God praise, to give him worship. In the Old Testament, there was a time of coming to the altar. You would bring your sacrifice of praise. You would bring, you would bring your dove or your cow or what, whatever the grain offering. You'd bring it to the altar. You'd bring it to give God praise. So, so then if you bring your gift to the altar and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there, it says. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and reconcile be reconciled to your brother and then come and present your gift. In other words, we're coming to give something as an act of worship. And God says, if you remember that you're mad at somebody, go deal with that first. Leave your gift. Leave your act of worship. Leave it. Go and deal with the person that you're mad with and then come back. Now, I don't know how much this for sure impacts our prayers. But reading those few verses, I could say it's got to impact them at least a little bit. I don't know if you're like, well, I only think that jerk, that person's like 30% of a jerk, not full, like he's not really all a jerk, right? He's only, maybe, maybe, maybe there's a percentage. And as humans, that's what we kind of want to do is like, well, I wonder if it's only means like maybe if I 10% don't like them. Maybe, maybe then my prayers will get heard. 
I, I, and, I, and again, I would, I would be crazy to think that I can give you a definitive answer on that. But the truth of the matter is I can't give you a definitive answer other than like, I think it actually is clear in scripture that our horizontal relationships with one another actually impact our prayers. I have two kids. And they're soon getting to the age where I can't actually use them as illustrations, but not yet. And Sophia's nine, Hudson is six. Shanley's laughing because you're going to hear about this at home. Not from her, from Hudson or from Sophia. Use my name. Sophia is nine, Hudson is six. And I, don't, I, don't, I can't comprehend completely how God views this. But from a father perspective, in trying to understand how God would think about it, and we're his children. Everybody is his children. Sophia and Hudson always want treats. Don't want a snack. I want a treat. They're even starting to bargain. Can I have technology or a treat? Technology or a treat? I'm like, neither. But it, some days we wake up and say, hey, like, how about after lunch we'll go for ice cream? Saturday we'll go for ice cream. They're like, oh, that's awesome. Yes, let's do it. But then 1030 in the morning comes. And I hear them yelling at each other and there's conflict, which there's six and nine. Conflict is kind of normal. And am I thinking about, oh, let's go for ice cream? Am I thinking about the good gifts that I get to give my kids and going for ice cream and spending time with them? Or am I thinking about them actually getting along right now? I'm more concerned about the relationship between Hudson and Sophia being restored and coming to resolution other than going out and buying ice cream. And I wonder if that same comparison is, is, is with God. When we pray, he wants to give good gifts to his children, but he's saying, hey, you're missing it. You're, I'm more concerned about your relationship with your brother or with your sister than I am about giving you good gifts. I want to give you good gifts, but we need to be more concerned about the chaos, the, 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 the argument that's happening over here. So before you come to me asking and praying for these things, would you just go and deal with your brother? Like, be a man, be a sister, be a bigger person. Go and deal with it. Because as long as you're fighting, we're not moving forward. I care more about how they treat one another than giving them ice cream. I want to give them ice cream. Add another scripture to this point. 1 Peter 3, 7. Another horizontal relationship. In the same way, husbands must give honor to their wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker, and I don't think they're talking about like in seniority of, of, of a human being. I just think that they're like, I can lift more than Sean Lee can lift. Not very much, but <laughs> don't go to the gym with me. You might be like, I can lift more. But Treat your wives with understanding as you live together. She, she may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. 
So I know that God answers our prayers, but he's specifically saying here that there's, he answers prayers, but there's, there's something we can do that actually hinders our prayers. And that's to actually not, not treat one another with respect and dignity. Why didn't God answer my prayer? Maybe we have broken relationships with someone. Maybe we have broken relationships. Secondly, maybe we have wrong motives when we pray. James 4.3 says, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. That you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. God, Lotto 649, is $4.8 million. If I buy a ticket, would you, like, would you, would you, in Jesus' name, this would change my life. I'll even give 10% to the church. But, But the next person 10%. I'll give 12%. Goodness. Do you know about the church? And then I'm over here saying, 12%. I'll give 50%. God, you got to do it for me because you know how much that could actually help the church. My motives are not pure. This is how often the Pharisees would pray. In scripture, the Pharisees were their religious people that thought they were better than everybody else. And if you read through the gospels, the person that, the people that Jesus usually only gets mad at or frustrated or irritated with were the Pharisees, were the really religious. He never got irritated or upset with the sinners or tax collectors or, or prostitutes. It was always with the people that thought they were way better than everybody else. But the Pharisees would stand on the street corners and say, hey, watch me, watch me how I pray. Everybody listen up. I got an elegant, eloquent prayer. All, all the words I, I get to say, this, this is kind of what the Pharisees did they prayed for the applause of people but never from a genuine heart before god i'll be the first to admit to you there is times that i've prayed selfish prayers and i don't even know if they were from a selfish place personally like i thought but after i looked at them i'm like oh that was that was probably pretty selfish And some of us are saying, my motives are right. I prayed for the Oilers to win. They're my team. My motives are great. This is my hometown. But here's the other thing. Somebody's got to lose. Maybe we need to pray more for the Oilers more than the Calgary Flame fans. Maybe they're like the fasting and praying down there in, in Calgary. If anybody's watching for Calgary, Oilers are going to crush you in the playoffs. We're going we're gonna to have prayer meetings just, you know. It's not going to be, it's not going to be like watch night services. It's going to be watch, watch game services. We're going to, anyway, I'm on a tangent here and I'll bring it back, bring it back in. The Bible actually says that sometimes we're not so clear on what our motives really are. Proverbs 16, two says people may be pure in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their motives. See, the Lord can see beyond our surface level motivations. There was a time in my life that um, we're friends, right? We're family. I can, I can share with you openly and honestly. There was a time in my life and I thought my, my motives were pure when it came to social media. And specifically, social media, when it 
reflected Discovery Church. Wanted to make sure the picture was right, the right angle, make sure the picture is taken through a crowd and don't show empty seats. And, and I get that there's a whole like photography angles and thirds and all that stuff. I get all that. But there was a time that I would spend more time concerned about how we looked online than actually what God was doing in our hearts of our people. Not anymore, but that was, that was a time. And I, I, and I, I would try to question and be like, well, God, I want to I make sure we look excellent because people are not going to want to show up if we don't look excellent or community don't look the way that we think it should look. So we, we go through all these pictures and we still have a process of going through pictures and making sure we're excellent. But my heart's changed. And, and as I've done some business with God, God was like, are you more concerned about the people's hearts that you get to pastor? Or are you more concerned about your perception from your friends and your coworkers or friends and other people are leading churches in Ontario or in Calgary or other parts of Edmonton. I was like, God, I, I don't have an answer. And God has been and is shaping me and us to be more concerned about building big people than a big church. God built his church before Instagram. He will build his church after Instagram. thought my motives were pure and maybe 99% of them were but 1% of impurity makes everything impure so maybe we have broken relationships maybe I have wrong motives maybe we don't believe God will do it now, this one's a hard one because I was like, I don't know if I can put that in there. I don't know if I can go to our church and say, oh, ye of little faith. No, right? <laughs> you got to know one thing. When I speak, I'm not just speaking to you. I'm like, this is, this is, this is me too. Like, how many times am I like feel convicted as I'm speaking and God is doing a work inside of my heart? But maybe we don't actually believe God will do it. There's a big part of me that just want to leave this one out because it can come across as harsh. But I think talking about it today can help soften it a little bit, help soften our hearts, shed some light into a dark area that, again, we're like, we, we, we say it with our mouths, but do we believe it with our hearts? There's a story in Mark 9. There's a dad who has a son who's possessed with an evil spirit. And anybody that has a kid, you, you can imagine how much worry this would have put on the dad, how much emotional burden it would have gave the parents. So the dad's like, I'll do anything to help my son. Jesus comes around and this guy's like, hey, Jesus, can you do anything about this? I, I think he would probably be in a little bit more desperation because the kid's like throwing himself into fire and, and the, the demonic uh, possession was, was trying to take his life. And Jesus comes around and the dad says, have mercy on us and help us. And the dad says, if you can. And Jesus says, what do you mean if I can? Do you know, like, do you know who you're speaking to? 
says, anything is possible if a person believes. Everything is possible if a person believes. Now, I want to be very gentle and very cautious and very, very careful. One, to say that our faith does matter. Over and over again, Jesus talks about the importance of our faith. It will be done unto them according to their faith. It's possible, it's impossible to please God without faith, it says in scripture. Yeah, if, you have little, if you have a little faith, you can say to the mountain, be removed. Our faith matters. But here's the hard truth. And I hope that we take it as a challenge today. The hard truth is this. That a lot of people... Nobody in here and nobody watching online, but a lot of people who call themselves Christians say one thing with their mouths, but we believe something different with our hearts. And if we were to be honest, deep down, we actually don't believe that God will. We might believe that he can, but some of us, our hearts have been hard because we prayed over and over and over and over for specific things or for God to move and he hasn't. And our hearts have become hard and we, we say it, we, we, we put it on a smile in, in the cafe and go, oh, God's good. But deep down, you're kind of like, but I don't have a kid yet. Or I'm not healed yet. Or I'm still battling with this issue. I, I read a story uh, while preparing for this, this talk. There's a story, there's a pastor and there's a bar owner. There's a pastor of a church and a bar owner and they're on the same street. And the pastor and the church are upset at the bar owner because it's causing them issues. You know, they're, they're selling the devil's drink down there. Okay. And the pastor calls for special prayer meetings to say, hey, can we, can we come together to pray um, for, the, for the bar to be shut down? So they have a prayer meeting. Bar gets struck by lightning, burns to the ground. The bar owner is not very happy at all. He takes the church and the pastor of the court and standing before a judge, he says, judge, that pastor and their church, they prayed for my bar to be shut down. Not only did it get shut down, lightning struck it and it burned to the ground. Now I have no living. I have no income. And the pastor says, oh, no, no, judge. No, no, don't. It, it, it didn't mean anything. No, 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 no. And, and the bartender was like, it did mean something. God answered your prayer and struck my bar down. And the judge says, I cannot believe, I cannot believe what I'm hearing. A bartender who believes in the power of prayer and a pastor who doesn't. <laughs> right? How often do we, I mean, I mean, how often do I call myself a Christian? Maybe don't really believe in the power of prayer. And we can hear it in our language. You know, it's really bad. You've done everything you can. I guess it's time to pray. <laughs> oh, there's been brighter days. I guess you got to depend on God. Man, you're in big trouble now. You've tried everything that's going to work. I'll pray for you. 
Often prayer becomes our last resort. It's kind of like throwing a coin into the wishing well at West Edmonton Mall. And as a coin is flipping and spinning and you can hear the ring, you're, you're doing a prayer and you're kind of like, I'm not sure if I'm praying when the water hits the coin at the right time. I don't know how wishing well is supposed to work, but, or if God will answer this as some kind of a off and left field prayer. Do we really believe in the power of prayer? Do we really believe in the power of prayer? Now, hear what I'm not saying. I am not saying that if you just say the words, it will happen. We're not a name it and claim it church. There is a, 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 a section of Christian belief that says, hey, if I name it and I believe enough, then if it's not happening, there's something wrong with you. That, that's not us. That is not us. You know, it's, it's not like, hey, you're a single guy and you see a cute girl across the church. And you're kind of like, in Jesus' name? How you doing? And you walk up to her and say, hey, God told me this morning as we were singing Holy and Anointed One that you're my one. And they're like, get away from me, weirdo. <laughs> right? I'm not, saying, I'm not saying we're naming and claiming kind of people. You know, I'm not saying that if we just pray enough and have enough faith, and, then that healing is going to come your way. God is not a genie in a bottle, and if we pray the right way, then he'll come to life. After all, God's not there to serve us. We're there to serve him. But here's what I want, us, want, me to, I want to say and be really clear on. Is that just because you have all the faith doesn't mean that God's got to. But I do want to say that our faith matters. James 1, 6 to 7 says, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. It's talking about wisdom specifically. Do not waver for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Fourth reason why did God not answer my prayers? This one gets me excited. This one gets me excited because I think this is where many of us probably live in and are at today if there's unanswered prayers. And if you can take anything home today, if you're falling asleep, if the person next to you is falling asleep, give them an elbow, wake up, say, Pastor Lauren's getting good right now. You know, you, you, the next five minutes is what you need to hear. If you're at home, don't go to the bathroom. Don't like this. This is a moment that you need to lean in. If you can take anything home today, this is what you need to take home when we talk about why did God not answer my prayers is because God may have something different. And often what God has different is actually way better. There might be a reason that our prayers are not being answered because God is saying, whoa, 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 I get what you want, but what you need, I, I got something better. What you, what you said you want is good, but I got something great. You just got to wait. You just got to take a moment. See, even though we think we know what's best in our mind, 
our will, God's will still wins. God's will is what we want. We don't want our will. But the crazy thing is, is that we can pray and we have some, we have like a safety net in God that we can pray for things and we can pray and believe. And if we're praying outside of God's will, he says, he loves us enough to say, I, I get, son, daughter, I get that that's what you want. But it's not my will. So he's willing to allow us to hurt a little bit. He's willing to allow us to kind of like mad at him for not answering the prayer that we thought we wanted. To wait for something that's better. And we can take assurance in that 1 John 5, 14 and 15 says, This is the confidence we have in approaching God. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we, we know that we have what we asked of him. If we ask anything according to his will, it'll be done. But guess what? I'm human. And sometimes I don't know my real motives because there are a few layers down. You know, my motives are is that people would see a good picture of Discovery Church and want to be here. But as, as I start doing business with the Holy Spirit, he's saying, hey, I will move on people's hearts to be in, in, this, in this community, in this family. So if I pray outside of his will, I can be at the confidence that God says, whoa, 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 let's, let's hold off on that. But if I pray according to his will, he does. See, oftentimes we think we know what's best. And even though we believe it's right, and even though we are certain that God should and he could, he loves us enough to give us something that is not, he loves us enough to not give us something that is not according to his will. That should give us huge confidence in praying. You ever pray and be like, ah, uh, well, I'm not sure if this is what I should do or this is the direction I should go. or Pray, pray it. Pray it. What's the worst that can happen? God say, not according to my will, son. Because my relationship with God is not dependent upon circumstances of what he does for me. After all, I'm here to serve him. And if anybody, if, and if I look at scripture, if anybody should have had their prayers answered, it should have been Paul. Right? I, I get we're all good, but we didn't write two-thirds of the New Testament. You might have wrote a really good blog or wrote a really nice song or a card to somebody to encourage them. But the reality is Paul is probably a superstar of the faith, writing two-thirds of the New Testament. And if we, we follow his story uh, along, we see that Paul prayed. And, and it didn't happen in 2 Corinthians 12. Throughout, uh, throughout the Old uh, New Testament, it talks about how Paul had a thorn in his flesh. And there's been many uh, opinions on what that thorn in the flesh were, was, was. But we're not sure if it was a physical healing, uh, uh, something mental. We're not sure if it was poor. We're not, we're not sure what Paul experienced. But we know that he pleaded with God. He prayed that it would gone. I mean, I, it, he fought with God. God, would you take it from me? Over and over and over. But instead, God did something different. He didn't heal Paul. Paul would have said, hey, could you take it from me? My plan would be not, not, to have, not to have this pain, not to have to deal with it. It wasn't Paul's idea. It wasn't whatever, what Paul would have picked. But God said, in my sovereignty, 
I want you to learn that my grace is enough. That my grace is sufficient for you. And whatever way that God could have done something supernatural to heal Paul, God didn't. But this empowered Paul to become the person that God created him to be. Paul probably wouldn't have liked the answer. He wanted healing. But it wasn't, it wasn't in God's sovereign plan. I'll give you a personal example. Um, VN this morning shared a word of wisdom. And uh, for those of you who do not know VN yet, you should get to know her. Um, she is a ball of energy. She smiles. She speaks encouragement over people. You want to feel better about yourself? Go hang out with VN. Some of you may not know that um, Vianne and I are actually cousins. Her mom and my mom are sisters. And just over 22 years ago, Vianne was getting ready for her day, walking around completely normal, like any other day. And within a few hours, she found herself stuck to a hospital bed, paralyzed from a rare, rare disease, transverse mellitus. 22 years. As a church, we prayed. As a family, we've prayed. She probably has friends here that's prayed. For 22 years. And you still see her rolling around. It was 20 years coming up to this summer that I was in a youth camp. It was still relatively new to our family. We knew that Vianne was in a wheelchair. Doctors were still trying to understand what had happened. I remember being at a youth camp. And I remember God asking me specifically to spend some time praying for my cousin. And in my heart, in my heart, I, I prayed and I believed for healing. I said, God, I'm not near Vianne right now, but I know that you can do it. I know that you can. I know that you should. I know that you will. And all the stuff. And I prayed and prayed and prayed. So much so, I prayed and believed that I actually, I left the camp altar. It was around the front. I left the camp altar and I went to the payphone because there was no cell phones then. I went to the payphone and I called my mom and I said, hey, this is what the Holy Spirit's been doing in my life. Have you heard from Vianne or her mom today? Because I believe that she's healed. And God just brought up this story this week when I was preparing this message, remembering the moment, I saw it so vividly. The payphone door had a red door, or an orange door. I remember putting in the calling card. Anybody remember calling cards? <laughs> Just call for three minutes. Mom's only got three minutes for you after that. It's, you know, it's going to cost too much money. Time went a long distance. Actually, it was something. And I prayed and I believed. 
We've prayed and we've believed. We've prayed personally. We've had times where we've actually prayed and anointed Vianne and, and, and prayed for her to stand up. And she's tried in, in her faith and, and, and believed and, and make steps. And, but up to this point, she's not healed in the way that we prayed. God hearing our prayers. The Christian answer is yes. The right answer is yes. But God's got something different up to this point. That God has given VN opportunity to share in high schools and schools, international stages, individually, and to speak life over people. Because God said, hey, I want to use your ability to share the joy and the love and the kindness that other people cannot share. But you, in your ability, get to do that. And we might look, and, and even I'm sure at times it's kind of like, this chair is annoying. God, would you take it in time, whether or not it's this side of heaven or in heaven? We can rest assured, even if we pray for the wrong things, he will do what is best according to his will. So will I stop praying? No. Why didn't God answer my prayer? I think today we begin to find an answer. And then at the end of the day, does it, does it really matter? Because prayer Reminds me that I'm not in control and keeps me close to the one who is. Prayer is not so much about my wants, but about God's will. It still boggles my mind. I find it very hard to comprehend in my finite being that the God of the universe would want to give us a way for us to be able to access and to talk, to have a relationship with him through prayer. It's important for us to have faith, but our faith is not built upon the circumstances of today and what he will do. Our faith is built up on what he's already done. Sending Jesus Christ to pay for it, to pay for all of our wrongs. Two weeks, we're going to celebrate the death and resurrection of Jesus. But I want my response 
to be, no matter what, no matter if I receive the answer that I want in my prayer, or whether or not I feel like my prayers are not being answered, because sometimes no is an answer. But I might want my response to be like the response of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in, in, in Daniel 3. Here are three teenage boys, and, and Nebuchadnezzar builds these, these, King Nebuchadnezzar builds these statues or these gods and says, Bow down before them, or I'm going to throw you into a fiery furnace. This is what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego says. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it. And he will rescue us. But even if he doesn't, we will not serve your gods. So today, this is what I would like our response to be. This is what I would like to, for us to begin believing about prayer. I want us to believe that, that God can. And I believe that all things are possible with God. And he can answer my prayer. Believe, believe that he will. Believe that he can and believe that he will. But even if he doesn't, God, I'll still believe. Even if he doesn't. God, would you show me a broken relationship that might be hindering my prayers? God, give me the right motivations. God, help me really believe deep down. God, let my language show it that, and say that I believe. And even if you don't, I'm going to believe that there's something different. And that there's something better. Because my will is prayed in human eyes where your will is heavenly eyes. And it's something that don't happen today might have a bigger kingdom purpose. See, so you can see the future. Vian, there's a reason that you're not walking yet. And we have a glimpse of what some of those reasons are. We won't stop praying. We won't stop believing. We'll still do prayer services and we'll anoint you with oil and celebrate and give you a new pair of shoes when you start walking. Exactly. Sometimes our prayers are not answered the way that we want because there's something different and something better. So as a church, can we pray big? Can we believe he can? And believe he will even if he doesn't. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would build our faith of our church today. God, I pray that we would seek you in prayer. God, that our faith would grow, that you would show us hindered relationships, that you would grow our faith, that you would give us the right motives. Would we believe in a sovereign God whose will is bigger than ours? God, for the individuals here today that have not, never prayed the prayer to welcome you into their lives. God, I pr today would be the day. And if that's you here, never prayed a prayer to welcome Jesus into your life. All you got to do is confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart. And he wants to come in and have a relationship with you today. As simple as that. God, would you build our faith?
God, thank you for giving us access to our Heavenly Father through prayer, a way that we get to know you better. God, I pray that our prayer life won't be dictated by the answer of our prayers. God, I pray that we'll pray boldly, full of faith, full of confidence, that you are a God who listens, that you are a God that wants to give good gifts to his children and wants to bless us. God, sometimes the blessings doesn't look the way that we would pick. So today, we pray with complete faith, with complete confidence that you are our Heavenly Father in Jesus' name. Amen. If you made a decision as I was praying to give your life to Christ, to pray that prayer, just God, I I recognize that I'm a sinner. Uh, I believe in my heart that I I need a Savior, and today I welcome you in. I encourage you just to do one of two things. Either uh, grab a connection card in the back of your seat pocket, uh, fill it out. Let us know that you've given your life to Christ, or text the word uh, FAITH to 587-705-0599, and our team will reach out to you. Maybe you're new to Discovery Church. Maybe this is the first time you've been here. Maybe you've only been here a few times. Uh, Same thing. We'd love to get to know you. If, If you are new here, text the word NEW. Instead of faith, text the word new to 587-705-0599. Discovery Church, we love you. We want you to have an amazing day. If you're here today and you are desiring or wanting uh, personal prayer, specific prayer over a need, over something, even in light of what we just talked about, we're still, we're still a church that prays and we're still a church that believes. Uh, just over here, uh, one of our prayer team uh, people will be available to pray with you. Discovery Church, have an amazing day. Next week is Palm Sunday.